you Guardians fan out there, don't panic. Stop panicking. Don't panic. Listen to the next 40 minutes of Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, welcome to Lockdown Guardians. I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day wherever you get podcasts. I'm Jeff. That's Justin. I want to start off with uh, the, you know, the controversy of the day. Uh, listen, uh, Daniel Espino and Chase Delotta are hurt, and I sent out a quick tweet. Ah! Between... Everybody panic! <laughs> I sent out a quick tweet between like. Uh, between two trainings I had, like, I'm sure everyone's taking this well and being measured. Uh, because like when I, I got the, I got a text from like two, three people in that, in that moment and the email from Bart. And I was like, what is going on? And I checked it all. And then I went to Twitter to be like, great. That's three straight guys hurt from team injury. I also, yes, I have totally cursed all of these guys. We'll get into that. But yeah, and, and everyone's talking about, oh, you know, is he ever going to pitch? What a loss. This is, and I'm like, you, well, he wasn't going to probably do much this year in general. And like, but here's the thing I, I, I said, you know, I'm sure everyone's taking a well measured and approach. And everyone's like, you know, who are you to say how we should feel? Listen, you can't sit back and say, I am not concerned. I literally tweeted tonight the 2019 draft night podcast where I said, I will call my shot now. Daniel Spino is going to get hurt before he gets to the big leagues. Like I called it on draft night. You can go find it in my Twitter. I posted it. I, I knew it was going to be more or less an inevitability. Uh, we'll also talk about some of their recent like risks with injury on tonight's show because they've taken some big swings. But at the same time, like let's not assume that a guy who had been healthy until last year. Yes, this is two things. I mean, two big things. He's had a lot of nicks and dimes and smaller things and he's missed some time. But I felt like Last year was the first year we really saw it affect a majority of the season. Um, he's had a lot of injuries, but it, it, these are the first big ones. Um, we'll, we'll get into all of that as well a little more. But b- before we do this guy is falling, let's, you know, before we assume his career is over and he's Adam Miller, let's at least see what the updates are. That was my take. And if anyone who's like, oh, you can't tell me, or, you know, is it okay to be concerned? I'm not even saying that. I literally... If you listen to this show at all or followed me at all, I've been lower on Espino than the consensus for the last since 2019, because this, this is exactly what I thought was going to happen. Uh, it's not that it is lack of concern on my end. It's like, I, I kind of expected this. We'll see what happens. But I mean, there were like two, three people who just really got upset about this statement. And <laughs> I don't know, immediately like settled into uh, personal attacks. So I don't know people are weird and <laughs> You know, it's it's always weird, too, when it's like people you used to be friends with who you're clearly not anymore. So, uh, yeah, I'll just go ahead and air that dirty laundry and say, like, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry that uh, that getting five texts when I never get more than one about something like this made me think people were reacting. And one of them wasn't even for me. I, I knew not to text you today like because you had training. And I also knew you'd figure it out sooner or later whenever you had a break between training. But uh yeah, it was definitely a, a, a sky falling type of moment for sure when the news came out. I mean, obviously, we didn't see Daniel Spino after April last year. That was disappointing. 
you know, first it was the knee and then it was the shoulder and then it was the shoulder again. Uh, so everything we, I heard last fall was, you know, ready to rock and roll for spring training in 2023. Obviously hasn't been the case. Look, the, right now it's eight, they said eight weeks downtime prior to re- returning to a throwing progression. Um, so that, you know, it's still early, it's still late February. So we're talking, there's a good chance he could be throwing again in May. If that puts him on on track to maybe pitch in an affiliate in June, that could be fine. It depends. Now, yeah, shoulders are tricky. They're not good. They're probably worse than elbows. Like you would rather see a guy get Tommy John surgery than you would shoulder surgery because there's a much more documented history of success coming back from Tommy John surgery than there is serious shoulder injuries. I mean, that's, that's the end of the career of some really good players. I actually pulled some data up if you're curious, Jeff. So uh, Julio Arias was one of the more um, examined cases that happened. He's like the only player that's happened to at a young age, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, Julio Urias is, is unique where he was pitching in the minor leagues at age 16 because he yeah. was so young. It like was the wild. double was A so at good. 16, right? Yeah. I remember watching like upper minor He was, he was good. Yeah. So he, he had the, uh, the capsule tear basically as well. Uh, he is obviously recovered just fine. It took him a while for sure. He wasn't the same for uh, quite some time. Let me see if I can find when he was out. Um, I said, I did a bunch of research and here I am still looking for, some information, but I know he had the surgery. Uh, what was it back in 2014? I don't know. It's been a while uh, since he's had the surgery, but he. Yeah. I mean, it really slowed his. So long. Yeah. He really slowed his climb. Like he was one of those guys. And then he also had the off the field stuff, um, which we can't yeah. look past that really so, also kind of affected him. But yeah, I think it was, wasn't it, was it after well, 2015? He made his debut in 2014. So he, must yeah, I think it was 2015. It. I thought it was like at age 18. I thought it was because uh, I think it was 2018 because in 2018, he okay. only pitched like 10 innings, uh, maybe 14 yeah, innings. Yeah, no, that makes it sense. It was lot. like before he was like really broken. Yeah. That, so yeah. from 18 to 2019, he barely pitched. But 2019, he threw 80 innings. 2020 is 2020. He threw 55. But the last two years, he's eclipsed 175 innings. I would say that's pretty good. He's 25. So, you know, that's one good case. There are others that weren't so great. And the, the list I'm finding here has – Johan Santana, where I think that actually threatened his career at the end. It was towards the end of his career and he had this issue. And I think that was why he had a hard time coming back. Other, other issues have been Mark Pryor, which is not a good example because obviously things that ruined a very bright career for him, Dallas Braden, the perfect game. And that was kind of the end for him. Chris Young, he pitched for quite a while, but he was never great. Shinman Wong had a couple of nice seasons too. Those guys all had the same surgery. So it's a mixed bag when it comes to this, that's the scary part. Shoulders, you know, it's, it's a muscle thing and this is not just one thing. So it's the, I'm not going to be try to be a doctor here, but it's the, he tore the anterior capsule of his shoulder and he has a strain of the subscap and people, I know one of the mechanical things people really focus on in terms of scouting is scap rotation. And and that's really important for pitchers. And I saw a great tweet tonight from sure on health, Jonathan. Sure. Yeah. That was Uh, a really good one. I got that from you. Oh yeah. I think I did say it to you. You said he thought he thought of Julio Urias who tore that and had surgery in 2017. And basically his, his whole finding was that injuries like that do often need surgery to correct. Like he said, that's eight, eight weeks to, for the strain of the most powerful muscle is the rotator cup, which is the subscapularis um, tears like similar to a, a Spino's tears often is surgery related. So 
he hasn't had surgery yet, so let's let's not you know put the cart in front of the horse. But yeah. um, if he does have surgery, that's certainly another conversation to have. Let's wait and see what happens. Same thing with with Cody Morris yesterday. You know, we yeah. both it was a tough, tough conversation to have about Cody Morris as well. We both had some very you know negative views on what was going to happen with him. But Cody Morris, the plan for him is to bring him along slowly. That he he might still pitch, so they might just have to be careful with him. They're man, they're managing whatever pain he's feeling right now. This is a lot more serious than that, but you know, we'll see where they are in eight weeks, but that was also what happened last year. I will say. So anybody who mm-hmm. is concerned, it was, Oh, it's the knee injury. He's going to be back soon. And then it was, so we back soon. And then I'll be back at the end of the year. And he was never back. And no, you were talking about Espino's injuries. This is Why don't a, we, we'll, we'll save. I think we should save the injuries. Um, I do want to, before we get to, before we get to that part, throw out two things as I heard you talking um, one, uh, people were asking about the shoulder thing. Also think about how hard of an area that is to rest doctor or not. Like when you need something to get better, you have to not rest, not really move and use. It's a very hard area to right. do that. in. even with a sling, it's going to be hard to restrict movement Two, when we look at that list, we're going to see last year was also a shoulder injury. I'm going to make a statement uh, here before we you know, get into segment two. One has to wonder, not only did, you know, Jose wait to have surgery and tough it out and it worked for him, but did Espino maybe put off surgery and now we're seeing the effects of it now? You'll, we'll get into why I'm making that statement in a moment. But first, let's talk about our friends at Built Bar. And I say our friends because, I mean, I've been getting Built Bar since 2019. Sorry, Justin, I'm just going to throw that right at you here. I'm going to let you uh, know that I've been getting Built Bars that long. And I love them. They're delicious. Like I said, I think coconut and chocolate are the the things they do best. Peanut butter is solid, and the granola is really good. I mean, you you just can't go wrong with BuiltBar.com. But you can now also get them at Walmart and at Sam's Club. Uh, You don't have to wait for shipping. You don't have to wait for delivery. But if you do want to try all of their fantastic flavors, head to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCK15. Check it out for yourself. Uh, I've had a few listeners come back and be like, now I'm uh, getting these all the time. Thanks a lot. So go check out Built Bar. It's the, I'm not really a fan of protein bars. I've loved this product since the minute they sent them. Uh, it's delicious. It's great. Uh, high protein, low sugar, low calorie. Perfect for a snack in between type of deal. Go to BuiltBar.com today. Use the promo code LOCK15 or head to Walmart and Sam's Club to uh, go to the pharmacy aisle because that's where they are to try this fantastic product. So why don't you bring up the Espino list after I cut you off there? Yeah, it's fine. A uh, buddy of ours or mine, Willie Hood, had the had the tweet earlier tonight, uh, basically just documenting the injuries we've heard about. He had shoulder inflammation in twenty twenty one that was during Instructs, uh, not super widely known at that point. I think, obviously, the knee patellar injury last year, and then that led to some shoulder inflammation. I don't know if if that was natural or if that was brought on by any sort of compensation for the knee issue, where that's that became. And then now we have the shoulder capsule tear and the scap strain. So uh, like you said, none of, none of this happened before he pitched. Like he got in, into the pros and was on the mound. I mean, he made, when they drafted him, he was in um, Mahoney Valley that same year, I believe, which is incredibly rare, right? So they drafted him in the first round in 2019. He pitched uh, 30, 13 innings in high A and, uh, and rookie ball and then 10 innings in Short season ball, RIP short season ball. Um, so that was incredibly rare. Obviously, we, we see they don't really do that now. Had to miss 2020, but he pitched all at the alternate site that year, and, and reports were fine. 
2021, totally healthy. Didn't really have a whole lot of issues. I think obviously they shut him down in instructs like we talked about, but he threw, you know, over 90 innings there. So that was a, a okay season for him. And then obviously last year, what happened happened. And, and now here we are. So it has cropped up in a hurry on him. And here's the interesting thing. I know you said the, the, the issue with the delaying surgery, and I don't know what they would have recommended, but this is, this should tell you how hard it is to throw baseball and, and, and the pressure it puts on guys. Daniel Spino is a workout warrior, right? This guy, yes. we, we, we see all the time, the videos and, and the interviews about how this guy is in the gym. He is working his tail off on his body. He stretches multiple times a day. I heard that from coaches in, in Lake County two years yeah, ago. That was, that was, um, you know, brought up by multiple people last off season. Like, how has this guy avoided getting hurt? And then like that. And I talked about that. I'm like, maybe flexibility is the key. Like, maybe that's why I'm going to be wrong and he's not going to have a big injury. Like I talked about this last lot. Not that, you know, I'm saying, why weren't you listening more? Like, I mean, no, I, I was one of those people. I'm like, well, maybe it's this like, uh, you know, like he really works at that. Like that's one of those yeah. things It unfortunately has not, stay true to the overall health but yeah yeah it just tells you i think that some of this stuff is unavoidable that's why shoulders and elbows are are difficult to recover from and and he's not the the biggest guy and he puts a lot of pressure on himself it's it's not necessarily the height though like the guy is built like he he is but it's not no i mean his body is got bad mechanics no i mean there's some you know there was some concerns with the delivery on draft right. night like you know he he has a delivery that's a concern and, and again he is well well proportioned he's strong but he's still a smaller frame like overall he's a 6'2 righty that is an undersized righty by definition of the league like it is a smaller form and you know just some levels it gets back to your middle school physics force equals mass times acceleration the more acceleration you're getting on that baseball the mass is staying the same so you're putting more force to get it there and that is force exerted on your body well, science involves math, so you know I'm not going to get into this conversation because uh, we know how it goes when I do math. But... I wrote a, a piece on this way back in the day at IBI where I consulted my friend who's an astronomer P, uh, and physics oh, wow. PhD is about, insane. like, is this, is this logical? He goes, yeah, more or less. <laughs> he might have also been feeling lazy, so this might actually not be true. But, um, yeah. but yeah, no, it is on a, a basic level. Like, he's not the biggest guy in terms of build, not in terms of, like, bulk. He is, like I said, he's, he's in great shape. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, I, I talked to people, I still, t- I mean, I got three, uh, I got three, uh, draft tweets tonight. Like, uh, should, here, we'll, um, I just got a, the score apparently just sent me an alert on it 18 minutes ago. I'm like, you're a little behind. Oh, come like, on, I, the score. They got good people working for them. They should. They do. Uh, they do. If our buddy Travis Sajic, uh, they do better by him. Come on. No, I just got one about Mike Boav that I need to check out what he did against UCLA. Like that's, you know, I, I talk to people. Oh, it's my way of saying that. Um, and uh, listen, I had people saying that there were teams that were, Espino was off boards because they just thought there was no way to hold up. And they didn't love the delivery. They were afraid of just where the velocity was going and that with a smaller height frame, thing that he may not be able to do it and then you know he stayed relatively healthy he was always kind of nicked up he didn't have the beginnings as you talked about um you kind of expect a guy to get built up to but the last offseason was kind of a celebration of hey i like i was like i am thankfully and very happily wrong uh this guy's a unicorn he might be the best right hand pitching prospect in baseball now sadly uh with everyone getting kind of up in arms today uh we'll get into chase to ladder he kind of got left in the background his in some ways scares me more than this if i'm being honest we'll get into why this it scares me more 
um, maybe more like into the third segment of the show. But um, the other reason, the other thing that's kind of a sad thing is it, you know, the overreaction is, is Danny Salazar um, to me, just because again, we don't know what's happening here. And Salazar, we've had discussions on here about it. You know, I, I had heard from someone that they thought he was on, on a clock. They didn't think he would be able to hold up. And then, you know, there was other talk about like putting in the time and things like that. We don't need to dig into all of that. But to me, I mean, Daniel Espino is the number one pitching prospect in this system since Adam Miller. And that is what, oh boy, you know, now you're going to rile. Some no, I'm really, you know, it's like for people who said, you know, I, I'm not showing enough concern. I mean, that's the, you, you look at Adam Miller, Adam Miller had a was a top three right-handed pr- pitching prospect in baseball who sadly never got to the big leagues. This is Spino situation doesn't mirror that because like, well, in some ways it does because Miller was perfectly happy until he got perfectly happy. I mean, he probably was too, but he's perfectly healthy without any issues at all until the upper minors. And then it just constantly happened. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens here again. I'm not going to, I, I'm going to, I think he's probably going to have sh- shoulder surgery. That's my call. I think we're going to, he's going to be out for the year. I think it's going to happen. I think it's a matter of time. I, I don't know. Again, like he had a shoulder issue and that's part of the reason he didn't pitch last year. And if this is related to that, it's like, man, if they just gotten surgery in August, instead of like waiting, wait and see, I know it's like, if you wait and see and everything goes well, it means that the guy is ready for this year as opposed to having to wait a full year. But like, if they not played wait and see, if this was the same shoulder that was bothering him before, then like you also just lost, you know, nine months of potential recouping recovery time by doing that. So it's, it's a gamble sometimes. And I mean, sometimes the players don't want to go through with it. So there's that as well. And I can't fault anyone for how they want to, uh, I am not here to gatekeep someone's body. Um, that's just a general rule of mine. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that, but, uh, yeah, I, here's, I, I still think he is, a really interesting prospect. I think he's a really good prospect, but like if you listen to the show, there's a reason that Justin and I went against the flow. There's a reason why he was not the number one prospect. And we have explained that multiple times mm-hmm. and it just, it shows here. Like we look at it kind of a holistic whole view. It's, it goes beyond just like pure ceiling. And, and that was yeah. before with this news today. Yeah. Like that was before, but this so. represents why, <laughs> you know, this right. is, this shows why we went the way we did. And I think it's, like I said, I, I don't want to do skies falling. I don't want to naturally assume it's going to be bad. I'm like, let's wait and see. I'm not saying have concerns. I've I've had concerns since day one with this Mino's health. Uh, but let's let's really wait and see how it goes. I did want to, I talked to Justin beforehand. The one thing I wanted to talk about is it's kind of fascinating. Listen, the Cleveland Guardians, people get Moneyball wrong all the time. Moneyball wasn't about walking and playing guys out of position. What it was, was trying to find market inequalities. It's trying to find the things that aren't properly valued by the rest of the league. And one was that defense was overvalued. So you would not pay for, you don't pay for uh, defense. Like you, you don't even care about defense. Stolen bases at the time were viewed as, uh, as, as not valuable in that system either. Uh, so, you know, they were looking for the inequalities. Cleveland's been trying to do that forever. I go back to when I first started covering the draft, they were looking for undersized guys. Uh, they were looking at players who probably fell around or too shorter pun not intended, but great. Uh, I don't even think I used the right word, so I don't even think it works, but they fell short in the draft due to their height, you know, undersized righties, undersized lefties, guys who maybe would have had a higher valuation if they had two to three inches more. So I thought they might take Marcus Stroman instead of uh, Tyler Naquin. Uh, It didn't happen, but you know, it, it was a lot of guys like that. Their recent one since about 2014, this was one of the most, um, during the Shapiro era in particular, they were, this was like the most conservative drafting team in baseball. It was definitely top five. And that's why for a long time in there, like 
you know, nobody thought they'd take Clint Frazier. Everyone thought it'd be Colin Moran right there. Like it was, you know, a lot of things like that. But starting in 2014 with the Brady Aiken select, 2015, I should say, with Brady Aiken, they've taken some big swings on players with big concerns early. Um, Will Benson's been perfectly healthy since then, uh, though there were, you know, concerns with the swing. Then you go to 2018, Bo Naylor, he's been healthy, but Ethan Hankins, like there were concerns about his elbow in that draft year. And guess what? He's had Tommy Johnson since uh lenny torres it was just kind of the he's a raw kid there wasn't anything else other than him being raw so i don't really even though he's had surgery since i don't necessarily put them that on them daniel espino we've already talked about the issues tanner burns that had elbow issues in college carson tucker 2020 is a weird year he didn't have anything that i know of but he's had a lot since gavin williams um you know, he had big concerns. It's part of the reason why he kind of slid a bit in spite of his stuff. Justin Campbell's been healthy and chased a lot or had the broken foot, but he'd also had been nicked up his entire time in college. Um, like I said, we'll probably save some of the lotter talk for segment three, but they have viewed this as a market inequality. We get a better talent by drafting an injured player. And then if you're like, why would they do that? Well, they've spent a ton of time on, on mechanics and how the body works and they have scientists and approaches. And that's how they get that extra velocity and spin out of guys. They work on your body mechanics to help keep you healthier. They go for athletes who can adjust. They also have full-time training staff. They have all the money in the, well, not all the money in the world. They have quite a bit of money. So they feel like maybe a guy who is injury plagued won't be when they, when he gets here because of what we have in place all of the things that they're in terms of the mechanics, in terms of availability of doctors, in terms of being checked on more constantly, like just double checking the guys are healthy. Um, I'm sure they're checking on some of these guys quite often who have had, you know, some injuries, just like, you know, have someone in there going through things. So they think that they're more likely to be healthy and fine and that they can get a guy who frankly would be gone 10 picks before that. So it's a very interesting approach. And I get why they're doing it. And clearly, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Comment below if you think I'm off base with this. But I mean, it looks to me like they are targeting players who have health concerns as opposed to like red flag concerns or um, other things. Uh, am I crazy? Is Do I need to get my tinfoil hat instead of the B&E, Justin? I think you have a point, but I would also put phrase it like this. I think this is an opportune franchise. They They look for ways to... Like you said, they do look for sort of ways to exploit the market where they can. So I, I would look at it like, okay, Brady Aiken was, they considered him a first round talent, right? If he was healthy, he was number one overall pick the year before. It was uh, taking a risk. I don't necessarily know if they were like, oh, let's take the injured guy because we know we can get him back to health. He'll be fine. I think it was, you know, at 17 overall in 2015, we're not going to get a player better than Brady Aiken. And there are some health concerns. Let's take a swing and see what happens. Ethan Hankins, the same thing at 35 in 2018. I mean, he, there, I, a, look, a high school right-handed pitcher has never gone one, one. It probably yeah. never will. Um, but there was like, you know, talk they about Ethan Hankins. Hurt too. Hankins, yeah. Giolito, Lesko, the guys, it's like, you know, yeah, it seems like they always get hurt. Yeah. But there was like talk during the draft season, like, Oh, Hankins could be one of the guys you would consider, as a high school one, one, right. You know, right-hander, it hasn't happened yet, but there was at least the discussion around him. So they knew he was good and he hadn't had surgery yet. He had some elbow, uh, some shoulder problems and as an amateur, but you know, it was okay. That's, that's a risk we're willing to take because the upside is high and he's falling on the draft and no one's taken him. You know, same thing. Like you said, he was off a lot of people's draft boards because of 
the delivery because the injury concerns, the arm, that kind of stuff, and the stature. I think it was another case of, okay, at 24 overall, who is the better talent? If we feel like it's going to be fine, let's take a risk here and get a guy at 24 that, you know, if he was six foot four, he would be yeah. getting love at the top 10. And, and I, I, I don't know that a top 10 guy, like a month before that draft too. Like I, most I thought people he'd be did. the first right hand, right hander off the board. So, uh, it, you know, definitely just to, to back up what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, most people thought he was that good in the draft. It just, again, it was a height and delivery thing. And then Chase Slaughter, I don't know if I really consider him in this group. I know you would know better than I would, but I remember reading in the, in the months leading up to the draft that it wasn't necessarily that his foot injury bothered some people. It was just the lack of exposure and the, the lack of competition and the foot injury taking him out of a lot of time he could have played in college. I think a lot of that had to do with it. But that was also opportune for them, too. They thought, okay, this is a guy we think is a first-round talent. Maybe he plays the entire season healthy, and even though the competition is less than what they might prefer – you know, this is a guy that should have gone in the top 10. So I, I think for them, are 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 they seeing opportunities with injured players where they can go out and get talent that's being undervalued? Yes. I don't necessarily think they're looking at the injuries and saying, let's take injured guys. I think they are looking for opportunities where... Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you. We're saying the same thing. Yeah. I just think that the opportunity to get a great... The inefficiency in the market, yeah. maybe it is at the injured player. Or the player I, yeah, that, that, that is that viewed is... to be... Not necessarily injured, but a player who's viewed to be an injury risk because these guys don't have the medical attention they're going to get once they join a major league team. Maybe I, I do think it is trying to exploit an inefficiency for sure. It has happened where the, a lot of these guys have been injured. Like, you know, the Will Benson first round pick doesn't really go for this, but I think obviously they, they took Benson under slot in the first round to go over slot with, with Nolan Jones in the second round and things like that. They've done that too. Um, I, I think it's just them being opportune. Like we, like we said, trying to, exploits and inefficiencies of draft for them to find ways. Like the, the great thing is about this team and we haven't really talked about it a lot. No one's really talked about it is, you know, they're on a 10 year stretch where they've been really successful, you know, say for, for 2015 and, and um, 2021 was not, not fantastic. So say for like two years, they have not, you know, they've been eight, eight out of the last 10 years. They've been pretty good. So they're constantly picking in, in the low twenties and mid twenties. Like they, Chase the water at 16 was their highest pick they've had since 2016. Since, yeah, since Will Benson. Will Benson. So they're they continuing had a top to 10 pick. pick since 2013. Yeah, uh, Jackson, now Jackson Frazier. That was their I last pick. He might pick be back to Clint again. I think I've heard he's going back and forth on it. I don't know. No, I last I heard was Jackson, but yeah, you know, Jackson, Clint, Fra Frazier draft. So yeah, this team is continually picking in the, in the, the mid to late 20s. So it makes sense for them to maybe go out and take some of those shots because they're not drafting top 10 talents because they're not picking that high and they have to sustain this somehow. If they don't want to ever go into the full teardown rebuild, that's why they maybe have to do that. So that's, you know, has it worked yeah. out the best? Not so much, but I think they are just looking for ways to exploit inefficiencies. Like you said, yeah. and this happens to be the way they're doing it. And it happened. I think it's happening because of where they're picking in the draft constantly too, which is, it's just a good thing. But it's also this is where you get the the risk outcomes. Yep, and and they've always been about that. You know, it's like it's the same reason they really favored the cold weather guys too. I kind of I should have mentioned that yeah. in terms of some of it because you don't just don't get to see them as much, especially in like you know that's how Quentin Holmes happens, right? Like no one gets to really see him because it's a really bad winter. But I'm gonna cut us both off here. I'm gonna come back and explain why I think Chase Delotter fits. We're gonna get into the Chase Delotter injury, why it concerns me, and I mean we got a big name retirement we got to talk about. 
um, as well in segment three. So make sure you jump around so we can give some love uh, to Cleveland Guardians players as well as talking, you know, some some CD and why, you know, one of the most interesting players in the minor leagues you may not get a chance to see until late in the year, if, if at all, with the way they handle things. Uh, but first, we are going to talk about our good friends over at FanDuel.com. Let me throw up our fancy-dancy little banner. There we go. As it says, make every moment matter more. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get into a sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and three. Again, we're going to say bet the over on the Cleveland Guardians. Even losing these three players from team injury, still bet the over. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. And again, I want to reiterate the curse of team injury is very high. I'm going to sit here and say, oh, yeah, I was going to read it off. But for those of you, who, <laughs> those of you in the audio version, <laughs> I took Bo Naylor, then Daniel Espino on, on help. <coughs> Excuse me. Angel Martinez, Cody Morris, Will Brennan, Joey Cantillo is already screwed. Uh, Chase Delatter, J- uh, Jason Churio, John Kenzie Noel, Parker Mesick, Brian Lavastida also screwed. Tim Heron, Nate Furman. Gabby Rodriguez, and I believe Ryan Webb's arm got eaten by a crocodile today. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but yeah, a crocodile in Arizona. I know they don't even live there, just jumped up and ate his arm. So if you see any of these guys in Arizona, please go and, and put some bubble wrap around them. Yes, please. Yes, sparse, we are. Sparse. If there's one more, then this is officially a curse. If we can just get into it, then the, I can't. I, 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 I can't love the Delotter delayed by foot injury. That's great. That is a <laughs> thing. It just. <laughs> Yes, if you're watching the YouTube portion, the the the, the lower thirds is the lauder delayed. I'm, I'm not making fun of the injury, but look, look, let's be honest here. We laugh so we don't cry because yes. this is, this has been a devastating two days. I, I was I, like, you know what? I was I don't want to say I was laughing, but Jacob Degrom was was announced as you know he was having some side muscle or whatever injuries when he got to spring training with, with Texas, and I was like, well, that was you know should have been the free spot in your bingo card, right? Um, and I was like, oh, there's no news out of Guardians camp. No news is good news. Well, two days in a row, we've been devastated by news. And like I said, I'm not making fun of anybody's injury. I'm just doing it so we laugh so we don't cry. But uh, four to five months for, for Chase DeLauder return to play. He had um, surgery on a small fracture at the base of his fifth toe in his left foot. That is the same foot he injured in college. Um, recommended surgery, the same one that did his initial surgery. They replaced a screw, a foot screw in a bone graft in the area of the fracture. So he is in a walking boot. They are return, guessing return to play four to five months. So we're talking, you know, playing in complex league games in July and maybe out to an affiliate in August or sometime in July if they're lucky. So that so, is not great news either. So here's my thing on the ladder. And one of the reasons I was a little concerned with him and I was not, Alone, but he is one of those guys that it's been a lot of little injuries here or there. And he missed time in his sophomore year due to that as well. So he's never been really fully healthy in college. Um, you know, some part of me wondered if it's like the, I talked before the show with Justin, like the Zion Williams in effect where he's such an explosive athlete. Is it putting too much strain on his body? I don't know. But 
Yeah. And I saw other people talk about like, why is it a little, like cut the thing off? It, your little toe does a lot with your balance. Like it matters in your gait and things like that. So, um, you know, I didn't see anyone actually saying like, cut it off, but I did see people being like, why is the little toe even, Jeez. you know, it's, it's just like, why does it's like, it affects your gait, it affects your balance. Um, yeah, it's the same foot injury. If, if, if this takes the long way and we're talking end of July, which means he'd probably go out to the complex league. Cause he hadn't, played baseball in you know over, over a year, year at that point like 16 months 18 months so he'd probably be in the com maybe we'd see him in like low a by september because again he was playing at james madison uh in general this is a guy just to throw it out there he played more games in the cape than he ever did in a season at james madison because of being dinned up he had 34 games in the cape he had a total of 66 at james madison now one of those was a COVID year but it was 26 games and 24 games so yeah, it was, he's, he's had histories of little injuries and unfortunately this is two big ones now with this foot and yeah. Um, if you want to blame me for it, I, I'll own it because team injury coming to the rescue. Yeah. Not much to say here. I mean, he hasn't played. It's, it's not a good situation. And this is another one too. I also wouldn't freak out about yet too, because I don't, I'm not going to go through the examples of all the foot guys. I know Zach Meisel tweeted the same thing. I, everybody was probably thinking was the Zidrudin Zidrudin. Zidrudin. Yeah. yeah and you want to know what? And Zidrudin Zidrudin was seven foot three. <laughs> like that's yeah, a weird, so, you know. Well, Delauder's not short either, but. But seven three is just an unusual. I mean, for a human body, that is the is. extreme. Well, okay. He also went on to have a good career. You know, he yeah. had a long and he was beloved by Cleveland. So I'm not saying this is a similar and I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but. Um, the two things I would note here too on, on Espino and, and Delauder before we need to get into the, to the retirement thing of Jason Kipnis, but you know, Espino's 40 man time comes up this winter. He is going to be on the 40 man protection list. No matter he'll be on the 40 man roster, no matter what this injury doesn't change that this injury changes nothing about how they feel about him. He's going to be on the 40. He just may not and pitch the majors this year. Maybe he will Delauder. This is his first year. If he misses the first year, yes, it's not what you want, but. You know, I wouldn't necessarily. He's still young for the. He was still young. Um, I don't know. I, I, again, not freaking out. I think there's a lot of time to figure out what's going to happen. Other guys have recovered from foot surgeries. I would rather them be overcautious about things like this than I would them pushing it and try to get him back and then end up just screwing things up. So I'm I'm not going to freak out here. It's it's disappointing as people who like prospects and want to see someone like Delauder because he could be a special talent, but. Um, in the long in the long term of things, it's just one thing for right now, and they have to be safe. And he's still got three, you know, three other years of seasons to prove whether or not he belongs on the forty when it, the time comes. No, I um, the other thing, you know, just in terms of all of this, as you're talking there, um, I see a lot of people being like, "Oh, they're just hurt," or, or people being like, "You know, there's no such thing as any prospect." This team has been built on prospects. So that's a silly take. Like, th this is not a team that's a been you know it, yes rosario and jimenez were already proven products um but uh, most of these guys are prospects and then like oh let's just trade them now you can't trade hurt players to begin with wow and why would you sell at the nader uh nadir i can't say the word why would you sell at their lowest point why are we selling when they're at death uh when they're in death valley instead of being on mount everest that's not how this team operates so just to roll that out yeah, there and the other thing I see people saying too is that oh well they should have traded Espino when they had the chance uh, for you know Sean Murphy or Brian Reynolds or whoever else is out there, you know that that doesn't change anything. You can say that all you want, but 
teams knew that Espino had shoulder problems last year. They were likely to get it. Everything is pending physicals, right? So he would have might, might have set off some red flags for that as well. Teams knew what they were getting into. The the guardians knew. And you know, there's no, no guarantee just because you trade them, things work out better for you than they do for somebody else. These things are always, you know, I, I have, I have come around in recent years to from being a prospect hugger to trade the prospects for good players, but don't, you know, don't oversell your your prospects either. Like, get a good deal, but <clears throat> I'm also more willing to s- trade guys. Would I have traded Espino for anybody this offseason? Probably not, no. no. Now, even when I know now, I wouldn't. But, you know, I'm the not saying never so trade so hard to come by. That's the thing. Yeah, and he's a special Indeed. talent. So, and, and again, like you said, we're not – no one's writing him off at this point. So He was the only person with 270-grade potential pitches in the mind. He had the best fastball yeah. and the best slider. Like, you – would you rather he turns into nothing and you held on too long, or would you rather trade Jacob DeGrom? Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, it's a tough yeah. one to – that's a tough one to to ask, and that's why, you know, the people who make decisions like this are getting paid to do it, and that's why we're sort of paid to talk about it. I don't, I don't really know how to phrase it. I guess we sort of are, but that's, so, why, uh, we're, that's why we're talking about it and not making the decision. But uh, I got a question you for can, you. Oh, boy. Ready and ready for this one. This I'm is totally off the cuff. You ready for this one? Uh, who has a higher career war in Cleveland, Estrubal Cabrera or Jason Kipnis? I'm going to say Jason Kipnis. No, mm-hmm. no, no. I'm going to say Estrubal Cabrera. It is Estrubal Cabrera. Uh, um, so I was going know. through like kind of cool. some of the players. It's like uh, Cleveland has kind of a rich history at second base. Obviously, Nap Lajoie is kind of the king. He's the all-time war leader. Uh, you know, Joe Gordon is who they traded um, blanket on the big chief, uh, what his name was. He went on one of the great win-win trades in baseball history. The Yankees won a bunch of world series is Joe. He was, he was, he was native American. That's why the big chief actually works. That wasn't, mm-hmm. I saw that look there. Um, I know, and, I know what you're and, talking about. And so. Joe, Joe Gordon helped them win a world series. Both sides got a world series out of it. Um, you know, it just kind of some of those like Gordon and then Ray Chapman, Famously died on the field. Uh, Bobby Avila also played a lot of second base and was one of the best. Like Jason Kipnis is probably not a top five second baseman in Cleveland Guardians history. Hot take because it's one of the best positions they've had on the infield. Uh, that being said, he is one of the best, if not probably the best second baseman. Um, in terms of, you know, grand, I get Roberto Alomar was great for like, was he here for two years, three years? It was short, but yeah, it was like, like 99 to 2001. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was not much, you know. And but Jason Kipnis is this team's best second baseman since. Like a lot of those great players, when I mentioned, you know, the Joe Gordons and the Nat Blashways, those were a long time ago. Uh, probably since Bobby Avila played, right? I think that is the guy back in, and that's that's the 50s. So even if it's him, yeah. that's a long time ago. Like, uh, I, I think I know people are screaming Carlos Baerga. Listen again, Carlos Baerga was offensively great at peak, but it was short. Baerga I had mean, very short you could run. argue that Jason Kipnis's peak was also short at, yes. at the same time. And this is why we talked about second baseman and their attrition over their careers in the yeah. past. Is that they tend Kipnis to fall off has a, a higher career war than Baerga, which is kind of why I initially was like going over uh, and past it. But it's interesting, like Kipnis. It, here's what's funny. You ready? Thirty just. You know, great random stat here. Base, by baseball reference career war, 33rd Estrubo Cabrera amongst all players in Cleveland, 34 Jason Kipnis, 35 Roberto Amar, 36 Carlos Baerga. They're all in a row 
Hmm. And and twenty nine of those, or I'm sorry, and thirty nine. Uh, by the way, if you go down to thirty nine, there's Joe Gordon. Just speaking about second baseman in this franchise history. So, are you trying to say you hate Jason Kipnis? Do you think he's not good? Is that what you're saying? Uh, no, I am saying Jason Kipnis is a very good player. Uh, at his peak, he was one of the best second basemen in baseball. You know, he had his ups and his downs. It was a short peak. I hadn't realized, honestly, that he hadn't retired yet. Maybe that makes me a terrible human being um, as a fan of this team. But yeah, I just, I think we should take a moment and appreciate a guy who was here, who signed an extension, right? You know, was one of those guys who was locked in. Health was a bugaboo for him, but still, you look at the players who have played in Cleveland at that position. He's he's probably, in fairness, the best in Spierga in terms of a long-term. Again, Roberto Almar was brilliant in the short term. Ronnie Belliard was great for a little period. Uh, but he was a really good player, and I think he's earned that due. Yeah, I will remember Jason Kipnis for being the voice and the heart heartbeat of those mid 2000s teams, the 2015, 16, uh, England 13. Uh, I guess he was still learning in 2013, but you know, 15, 16, 17, 18 and 19, he was the voice and the heart of those teams. Um, he was always accountable for his performance and, and other people's even too. I mean, when they were not playing well, you could count on him to always talk to whoever, and whoever media was out there talking to him, whether it was, you know, Andre or Zach or, whoever and talk about what was going on with the team or talk about his struggles, talk about just the vibe and what the team needs to do and hold up their end of the bargain. And he always played hard. Um, I don't think that guy ever took a playoff. He always part of his health issue. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's that for sure. He played, he played hard. And um, I think he always gave a hundred percent. I think he, played through some injuries probably as well throughout his time here. He switched to center field member twice. I think mm-hmm. twice he switched to center field. He was an outfielder um, in college. Yeah, he was. And then, and well, the problem is that he started switching to the outfield later in his career. Yeah. when He probably shouldn't have been, but he did it because Cleveland had a good thing going with their and Diaz a third. And then Bradley Zimmer hurt his hand. So they needed a center fielder and he just wanted to contribute any way he could. And that's, that's the kind of guy he was. He was willing to go out there and, and, make an impact every which way he could. You know, I'll remember uh, the 2016 World Series. I'll remember I'm trying to think of the, the some of his Grand Slams inside the park home run. He hit for his 100th home run. The I Grand was, Slam yeah. he hit in his final, like I think his yeah. one of his last at-bats in Cleveland in 2019 when things weren't going well. Um, that rookie season where he unfortunately got hurt. and But, I mean, he came out right. like a – we were all waiting on Lonnie. Lonnie was the number one prospect, and then – Kipnis came I out. was waiting on Court Phelps. <laughs> I mean, I was a Court Phelps, Phelps guy all the way as well, yeah. so I, I can't comment. But it's like, I mean, I just appreciate him for the depth, uh, you know, the breath, the breadth and the depth. Is that how they say it? I mean, he played yeah. 1,100 games in his career, 1,165. He played over 1,100 in Cleveland. Right. Um, he showed up and, every day. I mean, you know, his worst, worst season was 90 games, if you don't count the yeah. rookie year because he came up halfway through. Yeah. No, he was a, a solid performer uh, for a long time. Uh, second best second round pick in franchise history. Uh, has a higher career award than Sean Casey, which might surprise some people, even though Sean Casey played 300 more games. Um, you combine them both, you still don't get to Albert Bell, but hey, that's fine. Um, I know there's always a degree of disappointment for some because it felt like Kipnis was going to be like a star. Instead, he's, he settled into a very good player. 
Um, I see a lot of people want him to be uh, part of the radio team here. I, I don't know if he resides in Cleveland or has any interest in it. I wouldn't be opposed to. Yeah, I think he's a Chicago guy. I think he's always kind of been a Chicago guy. So I wouldn't be opposed to to that. I, I saw a lot of people advocating uh, get rid of Jensen Lewis and bring him in. I'm not going to state anything because I don't really watch a lot of Jensen, so I can't have an opinion there. I'm never going to advocate most people losing their job outside of like Angel Hernandez. Um, but uh, he'd be good at it. He would yeah, be good. I think at he'd it. be good at it. I think I think he definitely has a future in that if that's his his calling card. Uh, I, we've gotten super long. We should. Can we can we got, end on one? I want to yes. end on one one thing in the audio. This is going to yes. really annoy some people listening if they're catching it at the end. The one thing that would have been really great for Jason Kipnis, I would have been happy for him, is if that foul ball in the 2016 World Series that looked like it was a home run coming off the bat was a home run. I. I was very convinced that was going to be a home run watching at home, and it was not. So um, happy trails, Jason. You were so close. You were so close. But uh, enjoy retirement. And uh, if you're anybody's listening, want to help us get him on the podcast, uh, yeah. we, we tweeted at him asking him if he wanted to come on. We'd love to have him on. If you want him, want us to have him on, tweet at him and ask him, and hopefully he'll relent and you know talk about his career and let us gush over him on here, I guess. Yeah. Uh, well, having talked about our gushing here at the end, let's uh, we're gonna end the audio, head to the video. Thank you all for listening, rating, reviewing, being part of the Lockdown Guardians team slash family. Uh, thank you for dealing with my random rants, and go, go, Guardians, go.